Today is February 10th, and we will be joined by our dear friend, the voice of the New York Yankees, Michael Kay, to talk about the Yanks. Let's do it! Talking Yanks with old John Boy, John Boy Jake. Recaps galore, weekly awards, stat lines, semen hot takes. Get your Yankees news from these two fine dudes. It's time for Talking Yanks. Talking Yanks with old John Boy, John Boy and Jake. Hello and welcome to Talking Yanks, brought to you by Seat Geek. My name is Jimmy. Sitting next to me is Jake, and in the corner we have producer B B D. And we're not going to make the intro too long because we had a really fun conversation with Michael K, a friend of the program. And Jake, you didn't say a single word the whole no, time. No, I uh, I was. Kept waiting for my turn to jump in. It just never happened. No, so me, me and Kay had a nice conversation. You hear me. Jake listened. Uh, man, I'm going to be honest with the people if that's okay. Yep. Uh, you know, I think the first 20, 25 minutes, you know, we, we, we yucked it up. It was kind of radio show. It was, you know, what's going on in baseball, some lockout stuff, some Yankee stuff. The next 25 to 30... I mean, it was it was almost like we did a home and home. Like we were, it was the Michael K show, and then it was like pure talking Yanks. Like we got pretty silly with it. Kster giggling into the mic, which you know is a big thing for me and K. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean that was uh that was awesome. The history there is the first time we interviewed, the second time we interviewed Michael K. Uh, in person at winter meetings, Jake made him laugh, but he was such a professional that he was able to turn his. Uh, hey, mouth away, hey man, Curry, away from the uh, phone, and they laughed into like blank space, and it was like, "Hey, come on now, come on now!" But this is just a Zoom, so he couldn't nowhere to nowhere to hide, nowhere to hide, baby, nowhere to hide. Uh, it's brought to you by DraftKings. Obviously, we're coming to you from the DraftKings studios. You've seen our beautiful mics. Wow, a lot of color on this piece of paper. Yeah. I'm holding. You seen this? I did see that. I'm not sure what was. Going- oh, oh, we're out of black. We're ink. out of black ink. Oh, so okay. Have, so. Uh, <laughs> All our ad reads this week, I have changed to do either, uh, well, either blue or... Well, for those listening, this is coming to you in a like beautiful green ink. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code JOMBO. You get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code JOMBO at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. <clears throat> get your timer ready. 21 plus minimum major location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full list of requirements to state specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited gambling. Probably call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Tennessee, call or text the TN Redline 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 888-7788-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. Terrible job by me. Don't even tell me the number. I'm not interested. Don't tell me. I'm not interested. I Don't did an awful job. It was, it was, I was higher than my best for sure. Oh yeah. You've gotten, I think you got a sub 20. Yes. So and that the, was in the three I've counted. Bad job by me. And on that note, we'll, we'll send it to the interview with Michael K. Baseball. We are joined by friend of the program and nephew of actor Danny Aiello, Michael K. <laughs> Kester, how are you? I'm great, guys. How you doing? Good. I feel like I, you used that before. It's the first We've line talk- in your wiki. It is? First line in the wiki we for gotta, Michael K. We got to change that. Voice See, of the you, New York you guys, Yankees. You got to be careful with the wiki because, like, there's one line in there that says Michael K's sister dates Bob Lorenz. <laughs> <laughs> so we're putting so anybody could put anything in Wikipedia. Jake's nickname on Wikipedia used to be No Pecker Storyelli. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> so some stuff is accurate. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a weird mix on there. You never know. Oh man. <laughs> Kay, are you are you feeling? Uh, what are you? I mean, I, I'm getting to the point where usually I see Valentine's Day and my brain thinks catchers and pitchers and and spring training. And I I go back and forth optimistic and sad and pessimistic and optimistic and all that. But are you itching at all? Like, do you, I know you've been living a baseball life for so long now. Do you still get those spring training, like 
fun thoughts that I get? Will I will I continue to have them or they fade? No, no, they don't. They don't fade, especially at the beginning of the season. Probably you run into a little bit of a you know a downturn maybe at the All Star break because the season is long. But at the beginning, it's all like new and real, and and you look forward to it. And, and I'm still the kid that grew up ten minutes from Yankee Stadium. So how would I ever complain about spring training starting? So yeah, you get pumped, but unfortunately, there seems to be a little bit of a a problem this year. So I don't think they're going to start on time. A little bit of a problem. Yeah. Usually at this point, we're doing all of our, you know, uh, profiles on the, on the roster and like the music blares and it's exciting. And we'd use like the major league soundtrack and we've thought about music, very similar to the major league soundtrack. Very similar. Really um, similar. Yeah. No, but, and, and we thought about, you know, well, let's just, you know, we know judge is going to be on the team. Let's just pre-record them. And we couldn't get ourselves to do it. Because there's just no excitement and it's been completely fake because that, you know, that spring training excitement is just not even close. Here, here's the way I look at it, though. So we're all going to get a little depressed because it's it's probably a fait accompli that they're not going to start spring training on time. Uh, I think you'd start to get a little bit worried uh, if they don't have an agreement by the end of February, because then I think the March 31st date would be uh, be in trouble to start the season on time. But think of it this way. When they settle, and they are going to settle, I mean, baseball's not going to end. So when they settle, they're going to be two weeks like we've never seen before, where there's going to be 300 free agents that are going to be signed, and teams are going to have to make trades, and they have to make trades in a hurry. It's going to be a flurry. It's going to be like the best thing that could happen to baseball, where they will dominate the news cycle uh, whenever this deal is done. And I think that's, that's the thing to look forward to. Don't think about the negative. Think about the positive. How how much do you? Because uh, I mean, you do the the radio show, obviously. But how how much do you keep up with, like the day to day rumors? Like, do you do you like getting lost in it? Are you getting little whispers from behind the scenes? Or are you more so like, this is gonna suck. Let's buckle up for the good stuff when it whenever that happens. Well, obviously with the trades and stuff, you you know you, you do your own imagination, and you know you heard some whispers before December first what might be cooking. Uh, in terms of the. Uh, the negotiations, listen, I've gone through this a number of times, including, you know, the World Series being canceled in 94. And it's, it's tiring. And, you know, it's tiring to take sides. You know, both sides, there's an agreement there. It's a $10 billion industry. You think that they could come up with a way to split it, and I'm sure that they will. But uh, this is business. I don't get – the one thing that I've, I've gone away from is when I was younger, I used to look at it as a fan, and I'd get angry and stuff like that. But then when you realize that, you know, kids and, and younger people romanticize the whole thing, it is still very, very much a, a big money business. And it takes a long time to split this up and uh, to come up with uh, equitable ways to, to come up with a CBA. So that's the way I look at that. I've been following it, but, you know, they're, they're just letting both sides are letting out what they want to let out. So I don't think we're getting any inside information. Yeah, it's a little different than when they were in 2020 when it was just nonstop press release, press release. They were bartering via press releases, basically. Uh, I wanted to ask about the 94 um, strike because obviously I was five years old. I don't I don't really remember it. Was that this has been looming? You know, I'm at, at winter meetings of 2018. We were having conversations about the CBA ending and and there being a lockout or a strike and the potential of it. And we were talking with agents and people and everyone saying, well, let's get ready. Like, get ready. It's not going to be, they're not going to settle beforehand. Uh, was it the same in 94 where it loomed forever and they knew the players were going to go on strike? Or did that come out of nowhere for the public in a day and age when there wasn't social media? No, no, there, there was a countdown to me. It, it was, they, they knew what was going on uh, and you just knew the date. And I think the players thought that there was no way that the owners wouldn't come to an agreement. And then it just didn't happen. And, you know, I just remember the day, you know, because I was, you know, I was doing the Yankees on the radio then. And uh, the Yankees were really, really good. They were in first place. And um, the players just were in a daze. You know, guys like Paul O'Neill couldn't believe it. And, you know, Mattingly was finally going to get his chance to, to maybe play in a World Series. They, they were all in a daze. They were all supportive of their union. But I think that they were really shocked. No, no one expected it to just be canceled. I think everybody expected there was going to be a work stoppage and expected that there might be somewhat of a, 
a lull where there might not be baseball for a couple of weeks, but then everybody would come to their senses. But then when Bud Selig announced that they had to, they had to cancel the world series. I remember at that point, um, Paul O'Neill called me up and said, is this really happening? And there's not going to be a world series. Is this really happening. And a lot of players just could not believe that it had come to that. I mean, that was a stunning part of it. The, the, the strike wasn't stunning. The fact that baseball canceled the, uh, the World Series, that that just shocked everybody. And I think to this day, it still stings. I mean, are you, uh, I, I guess, are you keeping that, when we were doing Talking Baseball the other day, we we kind of, or I guess I kind of landed at, so I'm just looking for confirmation from <laughs> you, as, as, I, uh, as I do in my everyday life. Um, Smart. <laughs> like, the fact that they're coming off of the 2020 where they had a shortened season with the expanded playoffs, like, do you, do you think they have that already in their back pocket. Like if, if they do, the lockout does head into the season, they almost have a format of sorts. Like they just already did that. So I, I don't know if that's something in the owner's back pocket or again, if I just dreamt something up and I'm looking for any confirmation. I would think they'd have to Jake. I mean, it would be smart business. If, 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 if obviously the start of the season is delayed, they have to decide how many games there are they going to be. What's the schedule going to be like? So I don't think that they could go into it blind and then, you know, within a week have to come up with a schedule. So I'm sure they, they all have contingency plans, both sides on what they would want and, and what, what it would look like. So, yeah, I don't think they're flying blind on this, but I don't have any inside information on, on what they would do. Fair. When we get, when we get baseball back and there is that, you know, we bookended the lockout in the front end with free agent signings, and the back end, it seems like there's still a lot of trades and, and some free agent signings to be made. Now, we, we had Jack Curry on recently to promote his book about Pauly. I didn't do any tea-leaving with Jack, tea-leave reading, which is my favorite thing. I think mm. Curry and I always read in the same sign. So I want to I tell you the signs that I'm reading as an optimist Yankee fan, wow. and then you tell me if I'm being too optimistic or you think I... Uh, I'm on to something or whatever. And it's nothing. It's not like I'm, you know, a master detect detective here. Mm. First thing that Cashman and the Yankees said, they come out, they said, we got to prioritize first base and center field. Center field. Which seems crazy because obviously shortstop is, is a shortstop in first base? Shortstop. What the priority? They, they what, said what was, something, but we, we knew that it was shortstop, center field, first base. It's like what Cashman said were priorities. Right. Then the next thing we learned was that they were in the bidding for Verlander, who's not one of the priorities they listed, and they were going to give him 25 mil for a year or 50 mil for two years or whatever it was, like big money for Verlander, who, who by their admission wasn't a priority. So as an optimistic Yankee fan, I'm saying, okay, well, they were ready to spend big on what they consider their fourth priority. So I'm expecting when we do close to get some fun signings and some fun trades and for them to go over the tax and spend. Am I being too optimistic or am I reading the situation correctly? Um, I, I don't think you could be optimistic or pessimistic until you know what the new um, luxury threshold is going to be. Um, but, you know, Hal Steinbrenner and his family have shown that once they get under the threshold for season, they will go over it. Um, so I think they will spend some money. Um, obviously, Verlander's off the board because he did sign with with Houston, that might've just been a one-off guys. I think like, you know, everybody's always asking me about Carlos Correa. I don't think that they would go into Carlos Correa and give him 10 years and $350 million when two of the best prospects that they have and two of the top 100 prospects in all of baseball are shortstops in the Yankee system. But let's say that the short window that they have and, and, and Boris can't get an incredible a long-term deal for Correa, maybe he looks for a pillow deal. Maybe the Yankees could say, oh, we'll give we'll give Correa $35 million for one year. That would be the perfect signing for them. And then maybe Volpe's ready or Peraza's ready. Again, just talking off the top of my head. So it all, de it all depends on, on length of contract. I don't think they want to lock themselves into a long-term because they know that either when this window opens or at the end of the year, they're going to have to do something with Judge and he's going to get a long-term deal. And then they've they still have Cole signed and they still have um, Stanton signed. And it's funny because, you know, Yankee fans always react angrily when I say this stuff on my radio show. We know the Yankees are a, a big revenue team. 
that doesn't mean they're going to have a $400 million payroll. There's going to be a limit to what they're going to spend. So they have to look down the road. They can't just make deals and think about today. They have to think down the road and who's coming off, uh, off their payroll as well. So I think, in my opinion, Jim, I think that their priority has to be first base, and I think they will try to make a deal for Matt Olson. Uh, and if they don't, they'll probably just bring, bring back Rizzo. I don't know if shortstop is a priority in terms of getting a long-term guy. So, you know, the one name that, that stands out to me, if you could get an Angelson Simmons for one year to stem the tide and play great defense. And it, it's, it's a little unusual with the center field situation because, you know, maybe you make a deal with the Oakland A's with Olsen and, and you include Ramon Laureano, something like that, and you send a lot of your prospects over to Oakland. But they still do have a center fielder that signed for four more years in Aaron Hicks. So does he become a fourth outfielder? I'm, I'm not quite sure. So there's so many unanswered questions. That's why I think that when the, uh, the basic agreement is finally agreed upon, it's going to be unbelievable what teams are going to have to do in a short period of time. But I know that Cashman and his staff probably have all these contingencies laid out there. They're ready to go whenever they get the, the, uh, the go ahead. How do you, and if I've, if I've asked you this in past interviews, I'm sorry, but you, you mentioned Volpe and Peraza, and they are, they're legit prospects. Like, sometimes in Yankee land, we, we, get, we get caught in the echo chamber a little bit. My biggest example is they, they played a Chance Adams hype video while I was at a game at the stadium, and I was like, oh, yes, it is time. It's, the Chan- <laughs> it's Chance Adams Yankees. Um, Volpe and Peraza, I mean, Volpe especially, he's starting to get, like, national top 10 prospect attention. Peraza, it seems like everyone you talk to says the same thing, like his glove is ready to play. It's how much he'll hit and do offensively at the big league level, which he had a huge minor league year, but people don't know what to do with that. Um, I guess, how do you treat Yankees prospects? Do you... Um, you know, like you said, there's two shortstops there. So, you know, you got your options. Prospects don't always pan out. Um, do you drink the Kool-Aid more than others? Like if you see a top 10 guy like that, like Labor was also a top 10 guy, is, does, is that when you kind of turn on and like Brian Cashman has to have a plan for Anthony Volpe in the next two, three years? Um, I don't like to get caught up in prospects because most prospects, the vast majority of big time prospects don't make it. I mean, baseball is the hardest thing to, to actually figure out who's going to make it, who's going to not, especially before the draft. And you see a lot of, you know, top draft picks don't make it. I mean, Clint Frazier was a, a fifth pick in the first round and, you know, he didn't make it with the Yankees. Maybe he'll make it with the Cubs, but it's just, um, it's a crapshoot. But I will tell you this, if you don't see the Yankees sign a, sign a long-term deal with a shortstop, when baseball starts again, then they do believe in either Volpe or Peraza. I think that they are they're holding a spot for them rather than set up a blockade. And you know, I I think I think it's laughable when Yankee fans say, "Well, we don't want Carlos Correa because you know he he cheated and you know and that cost the Yankee." Well, okay, you get over it. You really do because he's a top flight player. There are very few players with his skills. So the Yankees didn't have a a farm system with two top flight shortstops ready to go. I think they would go after a guy like Correa. He'd be a perfect fit. He's got the personality for it. He's got the attitude for it. And Yankee fans would get over the fact that he was on the 2017 Astros. I've been um, saying both those senses. But, One, I don't want him. Two, I, I will get over it if he comes. Yeah, most people are like you. I mean, yeah. that's it. You don't want him. But, boy, if he hits 35 home runs, drives on 120 runs, all of a sudden he's going to be beloved. You know, people – People hated Roger Clemens, too. Kind of worked out. People hated Wade Boggs. Kind of worked out. People hated Johnny Damon. Worked out. I mean, baseball baseball emotions are very fleeting. Sports emotions are fleeting. So, um, we'll see. But um, I, I believe that if they don't sign a long-term contract with a shortstop, then they do believe that Volpe or Peraza are definitely the, the future. Yeah, I think I think we're kind of prepared for that, especially – just looping back what Jimmy said, with the center field and first base as Cashman initially addressed it. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's It's just going to be, you know you know it as well as anyone, Yankee fans are rabid right now. I mean, A, it's a little bit of lockout. Uh, B, it's a little bit not winning World Series. So if, you know, if they go into next year with an Andrelton or, you know, Yankees love spitting a, a good DD rumor, gets everyone happy. If it's clearly a stopgap shortstop, I mean, <laughs> Yankee fans are going to be tense, for lack yeah. of a better word. Yeah. Because prospects, same thing. I'm, I, you, I can't. I just can't get into it. And I, 
we younger generation they're living now uh where they know all these prospects who when you were a fan or or i guess when did that start for uk because for me like when robinson cano came up when melky cabrera came up i when jabba chamberlain came up the only reason i knew their names were because three weeks before they got called up on radio and Yankee games, they started saying, oh, they got Cano down in AAA. He's doing well. You might see him soon. And that's the extent of my knowledge of Robinson Cano, the minor leaguer. Uh, their top 10 lists weren't, like, out and about because there was no social media. And, like, on broadcast, they'd, you have to, like, get the prospectus or get you have to go get the publications. Now it's just jammed down your throat, and it's – I think puts more pressure on the prospects and illuminates how much more they don't pan out than when they do. When did that change? Or who was the first prospect for you that like kind of broke your heart that you were mm. excited for and didn't come up? Heartbreak. Uh, you know, the one prospect that we heard a lot about was Jesus Montero. You know, he was a can't miss catcher. He was going to be great. And then they ended up trading him in a deal with, with Seattle. Uh, as I said earlier, most prospects don't make it. They don't. I, I remember growing up um, being a Yankee fan. You'd get your prospect news in little paragraphs at the end of, uh, you know, the sporting news. And then the USA Today Baseball, I forget what it was called, Baseball uh, Today, something like that. Uh, they would have little minor league updates. That's about it. But you get your heart broken most of the time with, with homegrown players. And, you know, and I think that teams do the right things by overhyping them because they want to use them and fool other teams. But now it's so hard to fool people. Like, uh, there's certain people I look at and I respect, like a guy like Keith Law. And he had a long thing in The Athletic the other day. And he said that he had made a mistake on Volpe when, when he was drafted. He said, I didn't see why. Most people in baseball didn't understand why the Yankees took him in the first round. Well, now he's his 10th-ranked prospect. So if a guy as respected as Keith Law could actually swing and miss on something like that, baseball is so hard to, like, you know, extrapolate out to when they're 27 years old and they should be a star in the big leagues. We, we have no idea. We really don't. We, we, we drink the Kool-Aid like everybody else. And, you know, nobody thought that Robinson Cano was going to be as great as he was. Remember, they called him up at the end of April because the Yankees were struggling. And it, again, it seemed like, you know, let's take a crapshoot here and hope that he could change, you know, the, um, the chemistry. And he did. He, he was outstanding, but nobody thought he was going to be that outstanding. So sometimes they, they take you by surprise. Remember, when Judge hit the home run in his first game, the other guy who hit the home run before him was Tyler Austin. Mm-hmm. One guy made it, one guy didn't, so you never know. Uh, Tyler Austin's doing big things overseas right now, so uh, <laughs> I, I, guess, I guess that's a shot at Judge. Um, no, and cha- changing, the, <laughs> changing the note a little bit, um, I, I guess I already changed the note. Keith Law, uh, if me and Jimmy and BBD, if we all went to a dinner together, would he like us or hate us by the end of the night? I don't think he likes me. Oh, wow. I don't think he would like you. Okay. Yeah. Because I, fair. I think he sees things in black and white, and I yeah. think you guys see things in a kaleidoscope of color. Yeah. Well, one time I, I referred do. to arbitration years as uh, under team control because they kind of are. <laughs> and I stand by that they kind of are. <laughs> Like, you know, you get six years with the team, three team control, three arbitration, but the team kind of has control of what happens there if they want it. And he got, and if he heard me say this right now, he just would, he'd be like, no, it's not team control. Black and white. It's arbitration. And we got like a whole spat. And I was like, you, you don't understand like what I'm saying? And he was like, no. So I appreciate his rankings. I don't think he would like us. <laughs> he, impossible not to like you guys he needed that yeah i mean his his twitter bio he still has joy removal machine yeah i feel like my goal is the opposite Opposite. so i don't know i think it could be a good yin and yang yeah you guys would be great give me a great combination (laughs) short kings i wanted to ask about the baseballs behind your head yeah are those signed are they uh memorabilia they're all all signed yes do you Uh, have a favorite well the the bottom row here i don't know if you can see it (laughs) yeah yeah those are all broadcasters like Vince Scully and mm. Ernie Harwell and Bob Euchre and Dick Enberg and stuff like that. And um, other ones like this, Bruce Springsteen. I hate to ask players for autographs. I hate it. Uh, I know I'm infringing upon their time. So these are either given to me or it's somebody that wasn't a player. You know, I just think there's a line between a broadcaster and a player that you really shouldn't, shouldn't broach but, uh, or break. But uh, these are all people that I – I met over the years that meant something to me and meant something, uh, you know, throughout my career. So let's see the six, uh, 
There's 48 of them there. That was uh, that was the size of the uh, the box that my wife got me. Never be so able to do math that quick. That was impressive. Now, there's one ball that I don't have there, and I would never say where it is because I think it actually could pay for Charlie or Callie's um, college education. The when the Yankees swept the um, the San Diego Padres in in 1998, and they ended up 125 and 50. Um, you know, they had after the fourth game, you know, they, they didn't plan to leave San Diego until after the fifth game. You can't be that cocky. So they had actually had a big party after game four at the hotel and everybody got on the plane the next day and um, players were passing around baseballs because this was the greatest team ever. And they were passing around baseball game. Everybody signed it. So there was a, a pearl baseball there and I, I picked it up. You know, I was traveling with the team as a broadcaster. And I just, you know, I passed it around and all the players signed it. But the one guy that the players didn't get to sign it, and I did, was sitting in the front row. And I walked up to him and I said, Mr. Steinbrenner, would you sign this ball? Wow. He said, well, why, why do you want me to sign it? I said, you own the team. Okay, I'll sign it. So it's got him and every player on the team and Joe Torrey. So I keep that hidden because I'm sure if it was up here and people saw it, they'd break into my house and take it. But that's probably the most valuable ball I have. Is that the happiest flight that has ever happened in baseball i mean they're literally passing around balls saying hey we better sign these because we're the best team that's ever played it was a pretty cool flight it was a complete diametric opposite of the 1995 flight back from seattle which i always call the flying funeral <laughs> that was the saddest flight i've ever been on i mean people weeping uh players just coming up and and hugging mattingly and like crying and you know and he was the one who was keeping it together but they knew that that was it for him uh, that was awful. And then, you know, the, the flight from San Diego was just, you know, when's, when, when are we going for the ticker tape parade? You know, that sort of deal. There was just total joy because there was a lot of relief, too. You know, Paul O'Neill had told me if we don't win this year, the whole thing doesn't count. The 114 wins don't count. It, it, everything is gone. So when they went down 2-1 to Cleveland, remember, they were tight, man. They were really, really tight. And I've told this story before. You know, I used to do the, the pregame uh, hit with a player on the radio. And it used to be hell to ask Paul to do it. You know, he just doesn't like to do that stuff. So they're down two to one of the Indians. And I'm walking around the clubhouse and he taps me on the shoulder. He goes, interview me. I said, what? <laughs> he said, interview me. I said, why? He said, we got to change the luck here. We got to change the luck. So I interviewed him and they won. And if you remember, after they were down two to one to Cleveland, they never lost again. But because he's such a superstitious freak, every game he made me interview him. Every single one, he would seek me out. Interview me again, Michael. <laughs> I can't keep interviewing. You can't break the luck. Well, he, he hit a home run in game four. So it was like team yeah. luck and, and him. Right. So right through the, that fourth game in San Diego, even though by the end he was getting sick of me, I said, you're the one who wants this, not me. Go, All right. And like he just, and, and you know, it ended up being the good luck charm for him in his mind. So whatever works. Awesome. And I, I, I love, I love Mr. Steinbrenner there asking you why you want him to sign the ball. Just because I think he wanted to hear you say Yeah, it. I think he wanted just to. Just because, yeah, oh, you own the team. Yeah. God. Nobody, I'll tell you what, nobody was more fun to talk to when after they won. And you just, <laughs> you avoided them after they lost because then, you know, you fast forward to 2001 um, and, and Mariano blows, you know, the game in the ninth inning against the Diamondbacks. And, you know, Mariano stood in front of his locker, I'd say, for 50 minutes answering question after question like a real gentleman. And like five feet away from him was, was George Steinbrenner with his arms crossed just staring at all the media and staring at Mo and like he's just so angry. And they had just won like four World Series in a row. But, you know, he was he all he cared about was winning and he was really angry that day. So I didn't go up to him on a plane that day, I'll tell you that. <laughs> now you're in the booth with Polly, so I I will we'll pivot it here because we got big news, Polly's book, and then big news, K Rod, uh Coney, the Yes crew. Uh, everyone's just kind of doing big and, and, and fun things. We, we had a lot of, uh, I don't even, we did it on air. We were trying to figure out your schedule. So I don't know how open you are about that. I want to, I want to, I want to know, uh, you know, we're missing you now on Yankees games a little bit sometimes. Are we, but, uh, how did that come to be? Did, uh, did the K rod stuff? Yeah. The K rod yeah. stuff. Did they, they say, you know, we got a rod. Do you want to do this? They say, Hey, we got the place you first, or I don't know. Any insight? I was, um, the, the breakdown is this. I was um, 
up for the main spot on Sunday Night Baseball, the one that Carl Ravage ended up getting. Um, so, I mean, there were different permutations of that. And that would have made my life really, really difficult. And it would have cut back on how many Yankee games I do. And I didn't, I didn't specifically want that to happen. Uh, and, but it, it would have been hard to turn down the main gig on Sunday Night Baseball. Because I always wondered how my act would play nationally. Mm-hmm. But then Carl ended up getting it. And then A-Rod was out of the mix on that. And ESPN wanted to keep Alex. So they started to think about how they could keep Alex. And then the, um, you know, the success of the Manning cast got them to thinking. And because I was like one of the finalists in the running for the, the main gig on Sunday night, they, they, you know, they see my radio show up in Bristol and, and most of the people in Bristol watch the Yes Network constantly because they're Yankee fans. I mean, Jimmy Pitaro, the, the president of ESPN, is a gigantic Yankee fan. Uh, and they said, they, they threw it past Alex. What, what do you think of this? And how about Kay? He goes, that's the only guy I would do it with, which is wow. nice. So they called and asked me, what would you, what would you think of this? And I said, that'd be perfect because it's like eight to 10 games and I don't have to travel and I could still the, I could still do the Yankee game on a Sunday and just go down to the ESPN studios and, and do the K rod cast. And so Norby Williamson, uh, you know, the head of programming at ESPN, he's the one who asked me if I would, if I would consider it. And I said, yeah. And then I jokingly said, you know, we could call it K rod. <laughs> and he goes, I like it, he, but Norby's a big Met fan. Mm. And he goes, uh, I, it would just make me think of wow. K Rodriguez. He goes, I don't, I don't know if I could do that. And I said, no, I just threw it out there. So then when they officially announced it after the contracts and signed, ESPN's official announcement was K Rod cast. That was my first, like that, that, you know, my throwaway line actually was the name of the cast. So that's how it came about. And I'm looking forward. I think it could be fun. I have heard K-Rod a bunch and I was going to ask a question about it. I K-Rod, the closer didn't pop into my brain at all. I guess I'm not a Mets fan or, Oh, good. Or I, kind of blew my mind that it didn't pop in my brain when you just said it. Cause it, right. it, it is that I was wondering if, uh, if Alex Rodriguez was okay with you getting top billing, like would she pushing for AK? You know what? I thought about that because he should get top billing. He's certainly the, the, the star in, in the show. But, you know, it's playing off A-Rod. So yeah. I, I guess I could thank the late Dave Niehaus. He's the guy who came up with A-Rod, and then that played into K-Rod. And, you know, I think you deserve I, Alex, it. Is, Alex, Alex, you know, is accepting of things that you might not think he'd be accepting of. So I, I actually thought about that, too. Top billing would be Rod K, which doesn't work. Mm, but yeah. it turned out to be K-Rod because it works. How – how and – Hey, like this is a slippery slope for me because uh, you know a little bit about Jimmy and he could ask you questions about all of this production stuff. We could go for hours and hours. I guess how how much has been talked about the actual broadcast? And I don't know if there's anything you can or can't say, but, you know, we everyone knows the Manning cast at this point. You got Peyton and Eli. They're dressed down a little bit and they're bringing on guests. I mean, is it are we copying and paste as much as we can? But you and A-Rod are both going to be in Bristol or will, will Rod not be there? Well, the first game, from what I'm hearing, is going to be the Sunday nighter in April, Yankees and Red Sox at the stadium. So since that will be the first K-Rod cast, we might actually do that one at the stadium. But otherwise, we'll be separated like Eli and Peyton were okay. for the most part. Um, so they'll either set up um, something in my home. Um, they'll definitely set up something in Alex's home in Florida. Uh, he travels a lot anywhere. In uh, the games that I have to do that might, let's say the Yankees are in Kansas City on a Sunday and then I have a K-Rod cast that night, they'll set the whole thing up at a hotel conference oh. room where I'll be there and, and Alex will be somewhere else. So um, and when we're at home and it's not a Yankee game, then I would go from a Yankee game and just travel to the, um, the ESPN Seaport uh, studios in, in Manhattan and they'll have a setup there. So. Uh, and then we'll have to set up the guests uh, the way, you know, Eli and Peyton had their guests set up as well. So there's going to be a lot of moving parts, but they've done it before. And, and you know, the Madden cast is not the first time they've done this. They used to do the coaches cast. Yeah. Yeah. All that with the college football playoffs. So uh, this this is something that they're they're pretty good at. and The technology is getting better. And as I watch the Madden cast, guys, which I really, really enjoyed, the only thing that would get me uncomfortable, maybe because I'm in the business, 
they kept stepping on each other and there was a delay. And, you know, my, my one thing that when I, when I was talking to the people at ESPN, I said, we really have to tighten that up because that's just, it makes it uncomfortable to, to listen to where the guest is stepping on them and then they stop and then they go back. And uh, I think they'll clean that up. And also because, you know, Eli and Peyton have like four or five cameras in their house to get different angles. It's not going to be that extensive. So there'll be less of a chance of a delay. Are you excited by the fact of like, uh, like not having to slip into play-by-play or are you worried that you might naturally slip into play-by-play? I was told that I don't have to do play-by-play. I'm free to do it. Um, I was told that if, if you want to do it, uh, you know, the, the best way, do it a combination of Michael K on the radio and Michael K at center stage, where it's just two guys sitting in a, in a ballpark with maybe a third person coming in every now and then and just talking about the game, but without specifics. You know, I might say uh, a guy gets hit by a pitch. I'll just say to A-Rod, you know, you got hit a lot in your career. Why do guys get hit? And you know, just yeah. stuff like that, rather than saying line drive to right field, yeah, yeah. there's a throw. Mm-hmm. Maybe toward the end of the game, I'll get into more specific play-by-play. But really, if you want play-by-play, yeah, you just go up one to ESPN and Carl and, and Eduardo and David will be doing that. This is going to be like a talk show format around a game. One time in, in 2004, because I was in living in Connecticut. I have a good memory because I moved every two years. You were calling a Yankees game, obviously. And the broadcast went out. <clears throat> so it's just a black screen on Yes Network. And you said, oh, I'm hearing that there's technical difficulties on your screens at home. So I'm going to slip into radio play-by-play for a moment. And then you did like two... Uh, uh, at bats and radio play-by-play and my high school brain was the first time I understood the difference between radio play-by-play and um, TV play-by-play and it blew my my brain and I, I was like, that was impressive and then the the f- feed came back but you were still doing radio and I was like, whoa and like, like Jake said, I'm a nerd for the behind the scenes stuff and the technical broadcast and that was like the first time I was like, whoa, this is like really professional what, they, what he's doing up there. <laughs> like to just go switch back and forth like that. Um, so I think, you know, it's cool that you'll probably be able to make the switch from conversation to play by play pretty naturally. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about it. Uh, I, I think we might have, a, um, you know, I think it's going to be judged very um, harshly. Uh, because you either love A-Rod or you don't. There's usually not a lot of gray. You know, we'll we'll see how it's received. But I think they, they're they not going to cut Alex any breaks. And, and, and certainly I'm, at times, with some of the radio and TV guys, I'm not a favorite. So I think they're going to look at it with a, quite a discerning eye. So I, I think that for the first couple of K-Rod casts, I'll probably not check Twitter because I think that that would make your head explode. But uh, I'll just try to have fun with it. And that's what the people of the ESPN want me to do. And I love love watching a baseball game, even if I'm not doing it. So now I'm going to be watching it with a guy with 696 home runs. And I think the one thing, my my number one job in this, guys, I don't know if you've ever had a chance to talk to Alex, not as like, you know, Alex the player or, you know, on, on TV. He's a baseball savant. Like he's kind of a baseball nerd and really loves the game and knows the history of the game. And if, if I could show that side of him where he's just like nerding out about, well, this is what this is. I pick up the spin and stuff like that, rather than like, you know, having statistics and talking points he wants to get to just me and him going back and forth, very freewheeling, then I would have succeeded. And I think that I think that the that cast will be a will be a success. Yeah, there's there's moments you had him in the the yes booth. And I remember tweeting out like, I wish this was Sunday night baseball, A-Rod, when it's just hit actual off the cuff baseball knowledge, not reading the note that he well, just got passed. It's it's funny you mention that because when they decided to put Paris together, they that one time we had him in the booth, Jimmy, was uh, Yankees Dodgers in LA. Mm-hmm. It was me and David and him. Yeah. And he was in for five innings. And I just remember one thing that if we can recreate this on a constant basis, then people are going to love it. So somebody got hit by a pitch. And, you know, James Smythe um, texted me that A-Rod's been hit so many times and might be third most in baseball history. And I said, Alex, you got hit a lot. I said, why do you think you got hit so much? And he goes into, well, you know what? I crowded the plate, 
So I wanted to cover the outside of the plate. And the only way to really pitch me is to pitch me inside. You have to get the ball inside. And sometimes they miss and, and I would get hit. So I understood. So then I let it like breathe a beat. And I just said to him, I said, and also people really hate you. <laughs> and he broke into laughter. I mean, if I could get that kind of like real stuff out of him, I think that that would be great. And it show a different side of him too. I think he shows more of that side when he's on the, the pre and post game on Fox. But I think that when he does games, he tries to become more of an announcer. So if I could get him just to be into a conversation, that that's that's my job. To, to me, it always felt like A-Rod, he, his preparation, I think it's part of what made him good as a baseball player um, uh, and some of the other stuff. But he, he like... You know, you'd hear some of these tidbits on on Monday Night Baseball, and you're like, "That was beautiful, Rod." And you know, he he came into the game with it. I feel like other times he almost got himself trapped a little bit in that way. But no, man, I uh, a Rod, I, I I goof around on my Twitter because his his social media cracks me up. Um, he's still got some goofy like teenage A-Rod in him that comes out when he's traveling to Packers games and stuff. And yeah, I think if if you can package that with the baseball the right way. Um, A-Rod's a always going to have a target from some people. Like, I, I know it went through Jimmy and I's head when you talk about Yankees-Red Sox that first game. Yeah, I would I would stay off Twitter because I don't think Red Sox Nation is going to be too warm to you guys. Is there a Red Sox-Astros Sunday Night Baseball game you guys do? <laughs> that would be a fun one. <laughs> it's, it, you know, a lot of it's going to be, you know, like for that first Red Sox game, I mean, the, the natural guest you want to get is, is Big Poppy. Sure. So that could be fun as well. And uh, maybe you get into Matt Damon. I don't know if we could actually get Ben Affleck for several reasons, but you're going <laughs> okay. to want to get like Red Sox, Yankee centric. You know, it's not just it's not just going to be baseball people. We're, we're going to try to get like af uh, actors and actresses and stuff like that just to give it that kind of big feel like they did with the Madden cast. So it'll be interesting to see which ones we come up with. I'm sure A-Rod has quite the Rolodex. The, the ratings for you, Rod, and Affleck would be incredible. Um, how, how do you and A-Rod communicate? Is he a text, call, Instagram, DM, Snapchat? He's a text guy. Okay. Um, but when, like, it's something really deep, he likes to FaceTime, which is weird, like, because he can end up FaceTiming you at 1230. At that point, you know, I've... I just came upstairs from the basement working out and, you know, yeah, I like a mess, but if you got to, you got to put the FaceTime camera on. So, but he likes when it's something like he just wants to get into something deep, he'll, he'll FaceTime you. But most of the time it's text. It's an athlete move. Athletes oh, yeah. love to FaceTime. Also, when you're a good looking guy, you want to FaceTime when, you know, you're hideous like me, you stay away from me. Oh, come on. Not we, true. We're not acknowledging that. I had a question, <laughs> uh, <laughs> from uh, when we were talking about the actual Yankees that I, I forgot to ask or I don't know, I we, we naturally moved on and it was very enjoyable, but I'm going to go back now. Mm. I, I was trying to put this in a, let's see, an interesting way. I'm trying to think a surprise trade. We were looking at the Yankees roster and like if they really want to make some changes, is there a surprise trade? I think Voight is the unsurprised trade. They seem all seemingly tried to shop him. Um I was going to say Glaber, Gallo, if, if either of those got traded, what would your surprise or shock factor be? I heard you say Gallo. What was the first name? Glaber. Um, I, I don't think they're going to trade Gallo. I think that they think that Gallo can really be the player they thought he was going to be. And I think everybody would admit that he wasn't that player when he came over here. Maybe there was a just a, a period of, of getting adapted to being a New York Yankee. I mean, it's funny. Um, I was talking with uh, Cameron Mabin who said, you know, the pinstripes are really heavy. Some guys could take them and some guys can't. He said, but if you could take it, it's a great place to play. But otherwise, if it's too heavy, it, it affects your play. So maybe they were just a little heavy for Gallo last year, but I think the Yankees are going to bet on him um, coming back. I wouldn't be shocked about Glaber, but, the thing that if you trade Glaber now, you're not trading him at the top of his value. I mean, this uh, they did that with they did that with San, uh, with Frazier, and they ended up losing Frazier for nothing. And I think that they held on to Gary. And you know, if you traded Gary now, it wouldn't be at the top value; it'd be at no value at all. So I would be surprised if Glaber or Gallo went. Um, now, if you want to trade somebody, although he has a no trade clause, the guy 
that you think about because I think that now there is an attraction to him, especially because the, the National League's going to have a DH, would be Stanton. But I don't think I would do that because when Stanton's healthy, he's he's a beast. Awesome. But that that's one to consider because, you know, if you could get him to the West Coast, which is the only place I think he would even consider waiving his no-trade clause, maybe that could be a deal. I, again, I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. What would shock me? But that's a guy that you would be trading at his top of his value because I think he had a pretty good year. And, and once again, down the stretch when he's healthy and then he showed he could play left field, I think his value skyrocketed. And right now, you look at his contract, which once seemed onerous. You know, the Yankees are responsible, I think, for $24 million a year. You can't get a player like that for $24 million a year. So it's kind of a bargain in today's game. I know all those. I was going to say, but I, I, I that would that would really upset me because I think he is one season away from becoming so uh, beloved. Beloved because yeah. he was so hated for no reason, and because of the contract, and because of you know there's some clutch or whatever you want to say struggles in eighteen, and then obviously nineteen he's hurt the entire season. Twenties got you know hurt, but the playoffs were were nuts. Amazing. Last year he hit, especially at the end. I mean, he should have had two home runs in the wild card game. <laughs> he had absolute uh, just like bombs in the Mets game. He was hitting home runs. I mean, just crazy. Whenever you needed him, he came through the the big games. Like he was drawn to. Him. I and I, he's handled the media so well, and and without losing himself. Uh, for my opinion, like he he has an edge. He has he pushes the knife right back sometimes, but respectful and kind of like. Uh, saying the, the like, I don't think the pinstripes are too heavy, and they were like, we were fans were throwing weights on top of him yeah. his first two seasons. So I, I, I hope he. I'm glad well. you said that because Don and Peter and I were talking about it. You know, you see Julius Randall, right? Who was beloved last year, and now the crowd's getting on him, and he just can't handle it. And then Francisco Lindor and Javi Baez. This guy has never. I mean, fans rode him unfairly from the very beginning, never said a word, never reacted adversely. He's there all the time for the media. He gives thoughtful answers. He has handled this whole thing better than anybody could have ever thought he was going to handle it. I think he likes it here. I think he has a great relationship with the players. They look up to him. They're kind of in awe of his talent. I think, I think he's been amazing. He really has. And other than the injuries, which is a lot, but – when he's a healthy player, you can see he's he's an absolute difference maker. I think teams are afraid of him. They are absolutely afraid of him. The fear factor is real. I also love Cameron Maven saying the pinstripes are for some guys. And by the way, uh, casually, you know, 285, 364, 858 OPS for Cameron Maven. Easily his best numbers <laughs> with any team. Yeah. So he, uh, <laughs> I like him saying that. He was supposed to be a five day player, Cameron yeah. Maven. They got, they traded him for like 20 grand or something like that from uh, who are the Tigers, White Sox, Cleveland. Who, uh, Cleveland. And yeah. uh, Miami, a lot of teams. He banged around. And then, uh, I mean, Cashman raved about what he did for the clubhouse. Uh, yeah, he's one of Boone's favorite players, guys. I mean, he was just – he was a, a home run in that season. He was great. He was unbelievable. And he's still just 34 years old. But, yeah, his, his best season – you remember, he was a first-round draft pick for Detroit. His best season was that Yankee season. Everything clicked, and, and the players loved him, and the fans loved him. Does – uh you mentioned Don and Peter, you know, your your hangout crew outside of Yankees land. Um, Big John Boy Media fans. Yeah, do we, what's, Peter, like, is he, you know, I thought we were all short kings. It seems like he's normally instigating. Like, do Is we, Peter short? Is he, he's taller than us, right? No, he's short. Okay. I mean. I'd say he, he's five, five, seven, five, eight. He'd say he's five, nine, but I think he's five, seven, five, eight. Yeah, I'm, I'm five, six, so what, five, nine. What's the disconnect here? I mean, do we, uh. <laughs> Do, does he just need a big hug from us, or like what? You know what's what the is? next I'm step? Tell you what it is. Jealousy. He's a, he's a jealous mule. Okay. okay? <laughs> he he knows how much I like you guys, yeah. and he doesn't get it because I don't like many people. Right. So he and I I try to tell him I appreciate people that work hard, that have an idea, and reach for what they want to reach for, and like. You know, it's a cliche, reach for their dream. And then to see it come to fruition, I think, is kind of neat. Because I remember you guys back when. And he it, it annoys him that he can't figure out, because he always thinks that I only like things that, you know, I could make um, um, myself bigger in. And I said, this has nothing to do with me. 
And, you know, he, he thinks I'm an egomaniac. Maybe I give him some reason to think that. But, again, he's jealous that I like you. And he says, you like them better than me. And I don't, I don't dismiss it, and that bothers him. So <laughs> I, think, I think he needs some love from you guys so that he okay. feels I think we'll send love. him, you know, just a bunch of uh, uh, hoodies so he can, he can, he can get, uh, you know, hoodies, hats, shirts. We'll just give him all the love he needs. There you go. How's uh, my brother? Oh, my brother who just poked his head in, like he always gets kind of a little like I don't. It's all fun and games, but he always like, why is he always saying this? Like to Peter, <laughs> like, who's this? My my brother, um, okay. Luke, who you works here. You upset the family. Yeah, Michael. no, not you, but Peter. And I'm like, look, <laughs> they're a three man radio show, and Michael can't compliment us unless he gets set up for it. So everyone's playing a great game for us right now. I'm like, it's okay, it's okay, it's all fun. <laughs> He was like, why is, well, why is he always tell you, brother, if, if it was a TV show, it would be called Two and a Half Men. <laughs> That's our show. Um, <laughs> Two uh, men and a baby. Off off the field, Michael K., what do we got? You know, I, anytime you post butter on social media, I'm locked in. How's the family? How are you? What? Any other Michael K. off-season uh, 21, 22 things we need to know about? Uh, a lot of the radio, sh- the, the desk that I'm sitting up right now is where I do the radio show, and it's it's got you know it's very tight you know under my knees, and butter comes in during the show and just like sets up shop yeah. under the and like will fall asleep during the show, so that's something. And now she's also learned to get in when you know late at night, she'll just you know Jody couldn't find her the other day and she was looking around and she just found the desk again and was sleeping under the desk, so she likes that. Uh, I don't. I don't walk the dog. I don't feed the dog. I don't, you know, I don't pick up poop when she, you know, we, and I just said to Jody, if you want a dog, you got to take care of it. But the dog loves me the most, much to the consternation of Jody. Jody's listening right now and giving me a look. Uh, it's because the dog knows Jody's where to find you. What was that? The dog knows where to find you. When I worked from home, yeah. that was the, that was the dog spot. Cause they were like, well, someone, there's going to be warmth over there every time of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Callie wants to be a star, doesn't want to work at it. And uh, Charlie, I Amen. think, is a pretty good ball player, so he didn't get it from me. Ooh, wow. that's awesome. Okay, that's huge. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he actually, I actually sent a uh, – he's, he's left-handed, and uh, you know, I sent a, a video of him to Boone. And Boone <laughs> said, wow, he's got, he's got some skills. And I thought that was nice. And then this is before Buck got the Met job. I sent it to Showalter. And then Buck sent down uh, – no exaggeration, guys. Stop. He sent a detailed scatter report. I like his rotational hips. I like the way, you know, it's just the whole thing. It was hilarious. And then like, he, you know, Charlie likes to pitch too. And I, I had him throw some and I videotaped that and I sent it to Al and Al sent diagrams <laughs> like circling the elbow. The elbow has to come up. He has to strike. And this is when, you know, Charlie was six years old. So. There are people that are really, really into this. They they really break it down for the people. We need to send some like you know Jake uh, Blitzball pitching yeah. videos to Buck and just get the scouting oh report. God, he would do it too. Man, I I know we said we were wrapping up, but I, and we've gotten so far away from baseball. But you you have to be stoked for this season. Not only the two week period, but like Yankees Mets should be awesome. Peak it's been in a long time, and like Buck, it you just mentioned you sent a video of your kid throwing like, and he's just. We fell in love with him at, at yes, because you talk about how A-Rod knows baseball. Buck, every time, would be eye-opening. Like, when baseball does come back, you are right, and maybe this is how I'll start wiring my mind. Like, it is going to be a beautiful time, because, man, it's, especially New York, is set up. You know, I, I've talked to a lot of people, that, and they feel that one of the things that, that has been the Met problem over the years is the culture in the clubhouse. And most people in baseball think that the Mets made the absolute perfect hire because he's going to change that culture. First of all, he doesn't put up with nonsense, not in a bad way, not in a heavy handed way, but he knows how. I mean, I saw him firsthand change the culture of the Yankees from from the stunt Merrill Yankees to the Yankees that eventually won the World Series. He he's just a master of uh, of of getting things right. Uh, Everything has to be done in the proper way. Um, I think he's grown. He's a little less um, heavy handed about things. I think it was a great hire for the Mets. So that's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be fun for the radio show rather than the Mets being bad. I think both teams are going to be good, which is the complete opposite of what we have here in New York and basketball. So 
hopefully they get the CBA done at some point and uh, we get some baseball. That should be fun. Man, you you mentioned Stump Merrill, which makes me think of Jacoby <laughs> Ellsbury and uh, because they were catch partners whenever the insurance people came to spring training. Uh, <laughs> have you thought... <laughs> And I just, I don't have a question. That's just whenever yeah. I hear Stump Merrill. You, you just want to say that, right? You can't I just, say Stump Merrill around us. I just think of him at spring training and then them being like, Jacoby, go go have a catch with Stump publicly real quick. And then, okay, bye. So I haven't have thought about it. Have you ever met Stump? We, we have, never met him. Our, just seen him at spring training. Like one of our first spring trainings, we saw him walking around like he was still the manager. And we were like, what? Who is that? And then yeah. we found out it was Stump, and it just all made sense. He seems king of spring training when you go there. He's really a nice guy, and 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 if you think back at it, and those teams were so bad, he didn't have a chance. He really just didn't have a chance. Mm. They, you know, they they didn't have a good team, and you know, he was handed the team from Bucky Dent, and it was an awful team. So, you know, everybody looks at it and go, "Well, he he wasn't a good manager." It wasn't that he wasn't a good manager. They they didn't have a good team. They were awful. So. It, it's amazing how things have changed from that time. You know, when Buck Showalter took over, they just have, they've been a good team ever since. I know Yankee fans get impatient. We judge everything in terms of championships, but you know, from 94 on, they've been in play every single year. And not a lot of fans could say that, which is kind of cool. This is the first year where Ellsbury's not on the books, or at least shouldn't have, wouldn't have been if he stayed through, which is incredible to think about. Good for him. I think Kayagawa's off the books too, so got wow. that going for us. The boys. Oh, that one final question. Do you think they'll sign one of the Japanese players, uh, Kikuchi or Seiza? Because one of my theories is that the business is so good and since Arabu they've they've always had one. They've always had a representative from Japan. Uh, Arabu, Matsui, Kayagawa, uh, Tanaka, Kuroda. Kuroda. They traded for Ichiro. Um, they wanted Otani and now with Tanaka gone last year was one of the first years where they, they're not getting the, the, those sponsorships, that press, those media. And I just always wonder if there is a business plan around it. And there's two Japanese players available. I think there's any, I'm, any sense to that? I'm sure they'll be in play because you know, what you pay for the posting fee uh, doesn't go toward any luxury tax. So that's important to them. Um, and you know, I, I just want to see them sign the guy say yeah, because I mean, so, yeah. possibilities are endless when uh, he hits a home run. Wow, yeah. you know, Sterling's ya, just going to steal your call. Just, just you just say see ya, and uh, <laughs> you know, uh, do uh, you. Susan, uh, who who is this player? <laughs> I, I don't say his name. Do you think Sterling keeps up in the off season, or he shows up spring training and just learns the names? He is an inveterate reader. He reads everything. Uh, I've been trying for the last ten years to get him to get an iPad. And I, you know, we were, at, we were at a football game at Yankee Stadium. I think the Notre Dame game, the one that was sold out. And his kids were there. His kids are great kids. And they said, what, 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 what can we get him for Christmas? I said, get him an iPad. So he got an iPad, but he doesn't, he doesn't even want to try to use it. And I, I, I don't understand, Michael. I, I mean, I read newspapers. Well, what do I need an iPad? I said, you could read every newspaper in the world, John. This would be your version of pornography. Don't you understand? You would love it. But I think the technology scares him. I mean, he's 83 years old and, but every, every newspaper he picks up when he goes to get, gets breakfast and he reads everything. That's he, he reads books. So no, he, he doesn't come in blind. He definitely follows everything. All right. Shame on me for even thinking. It. Yeah. Of course. He's yeah. Really constant professional. I'm, I'm looking at 1920s Broadway plays to see which says a Suzuki call he'll go with. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> looks like Black, Blackbirds of 1928 was big at the time, so okay. we'll see. He'll come um, up with something. Yeah, always. He, uh, he won't be naked. <laughs> well, always a pleasure chatting, and we'll catch up. And then if you're ever, uh, you know, we got to get you in studio at some yeah. point whenever you're free. I know you're the busiest man in, in baseball, but we'll get you in here and uh, you know, and in person in our nice new digs. It looks really nice. I'm very proud of you guys. Thank you. Yeah, Thanks, you know, thanks. you got to pay rent on that, right? Uh, someone's doing it. <laughs> <Maybe it is>. <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you very much we appreciate Bye, it guys. baseball and there you have it everyone go tell the caster how awesome he is for joining us on our 695th episode uh when we were at like 517 he texted said i want to be on 695 uh we set that aside made sure it would happen so uh happy to make that happen for him 
This concludes the show. Go Yanks. Tell them, Grams. Go Yankees. Baseball. It's his new teammate. Rod K. AK. The AK cast. Roke. Let's go, Yankees. Ooh.